0: Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Go for the Stage Podcast. This is Joe Roscoe founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform with actors, BFTS family members, and over 20 Broadway shows, West End shows, stages in Australia, and really all across the globe. We are your interactive fitness platform where we help actors marry a pursuit in a career in theater with a pursuit of a journey in fitness. So I've been doing this a long, long time, longer than I'd like to admit. Uh, So if you'd like, go to builtforthestage.com and we'll be on our way with a seven day free trial, builtforthestage.com. All right, let's get on to our special guest. Special guest as always, they recently opened Almost Famous on Broadway. Um, If you're not familiar with the film Almost Famous, I'll read the synopsis here real quick. The year is 1973. And it's all happening. Led Zeppelin is king. Richard Nixon is president. And the idealistic 15-year-old William Miller is an aspiring music journalist when Rolling Stone magazine hires him to go on the road with an up-and-coming band. I'll stop there. Our uh, special guest plays the mother of William. And uh, they've been in quite a few Broadway shows. Avenue Q, Chess, All Shook Up, Love All Shook Up, Xanadu, Beautiful, Almost Famous. Please welcome... To Bill for the Stage Podcast, Anika Larson.
1: What's up?
0: Hey, hey Anika, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm living the dream, man. Post COVID. I'm back on a stage. Of course. It was awful. Awesome. Of course,
0: you're living the dream. You're on Bill for the Stage Podcast, the world, I, the world uh, famous theater fitness podcast. Can you believe that this is where your career would lead you?
1: It doesn't get better than this. No one's going to believe me when I tell them at the theater tonight. Oh,
0: man. Uh, This is going to be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, I've been doing, I think I'm close to 200 episodes. And you could just tell within the first 10 seconds, you know if the vibe is going to be right. And Anika, (laughs) Anika, you're going to take us on a great journey these next 20 or 30 minutes here. Um, Oh, I'm sure you're going (laughs) to try. So, okay, y'all just opened the 3rd, yeah? November 3rd? Okay, yep. so congratulations. Um, what's that like? You have two kids of your own, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yes. so was this uh, this character you're playing, is was it easy to you, for you to pull these uh, life experiences and just kind of put them on stage with you? Tell us just a little bit about being a mom and playing a mom uh, in this show.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's, um, it, I often think what would it, so my boys are five and seven and relentless is the number one adjective I would use to describe them. Um, they're currently my workout. They get in the way of all the times I want to do yoga. It's them. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I often wonder what would it have been like if I had done this show eight years ago before I had them, because uh, I like to think that I'm a good enough actor that I would have nailed it, but I, I just know that it wouldn't have been as easy. Um, the, the thing I think you can't prepare for with kids is, and everybody tells you, it's not like a surprise, but is the, the worry factor, how, how they actually, you know, you'll worry about your kids, but you don't know how much it is like a knife in your heart, how frequently that feeling happens. Um, and so her whole show is like, letting her son go off on this rock tour and then worrying about him. And um, the timing for this is fun because last night at half hour, so half an hour before the show, I'm FaceTiming with my husband and I'm like, ah, I miss the boys, they're in bed already. And he said, yeah, they tried to bring glow sticks to bed with them, but I took them away. And then I hear screaming and my five-year-old is screaming and my seven-year-old is yelling, he got the white stuff in his mouth and they're sobbing. And I'm like, oh, he just ate glow stick juice. What does that do? And then Freddie goes. I have to go. And then cut to black, and I am gone. And it's the first crisis that I have not been there for because I was there all the time during COVID. It's the first time I'm back to work, and I can't be there. And I I'm, I look at my dress, my sweet dresser Debbie Lou, and I say, I don't I don't know what to do right now because I can't help. But I'm very worried about what this means. And um, so I texted him and said, just call me back as soon as you can because I thought, well the the they should be spitting everything out of his mouth right now. I can't interrupt that. That has to be the priority. He calls me back. We're FaceTiming. My son is sobbing. All he wants, I can tell, it, all I want is for me to hold him and reassure him he's going to be fine. I should be getting ready for the show at this point, right? And and so my husband is like, we gotta Google it. We gotta Google it. And then sweet Debbie Lou, my dresser's hand, just turns the corner of my dressing room and is holding out, is glow stick juice non-toxic? And it says, yes, it is. And I'm like, God, she's a godsend. And I can reassure my son, but that moment of not being able to be there with him to help him, um, the pain of that. And I thought, well, hey, if there was ever a show, I could use it. <laughs> it's this one tonight. So we got to an emotional moment in the show and I started crying to the point where I was like, I was so wound up to the point where I was like, actually, Larson, you got to pull it back together because you have to sing these notes and real hard to sing when you're crying. But yeah, that's just one example of the ways that um, it's just so easy to do because it's so well-written. It really feels like I just say the words and sing the lyrics and get out of the way. And it's there, it's all there because what Tom Kitt and Cameron Crowe have written is so good
0: did you have any familiarity with the with the story beforehand like going into the auditions or did you just kind of go in blind with it
1: happily i didn't audition for it um in 2018 fall of 2018 my agent called me and he said something he has never said before or since he said i want you to be as excited about this project as i am and i said what is it and he said it's the movie almost famous and I and I said, I actually, I haven't seen it. I mean, we all have the image of Kate Hudson in the glasses or the bus, but I hadn't actually ever seen it. And um, he said, well, it's the Frances McDormand role. And, and I said, immediately done. She's my favorite actor of all time. Every character she plays is compelling, interesting, has an integrity to them that I knew no matter what it was, I would be proud to play it. So then I went and I watched the movie that weekend before rehearsals for the reading started on Monday. And um, cause it was just development development stuff like workshops up in, in 2018. And, um, and um, I loved it and I loved her in it. And then that whole week when we did this one 29 hour reading um, uh, the whole week, I felt awful. I just felt off my game. And it wasn't until the end of the week that I realized it's cause I feel trapped inside Frances McDormand's performance. It's because I don't know how to give any of these line readings, especially the, the lines that are the same as in the movie. I don't know how to do it differently than her. Why would I ever, she's the best. Why would I ever do it differently than her? Um, and then um, time passed. I haven't watched it since the fall of 2018 and I won't. My husband and I have a date for us, a bottle of wine in the movie, the day after I leave the show one day. Um, and um, but um, So I've, I've managed to forget a lot of it. Um, and then you just spend enough time working on it on your own in the workshops and stuff Stuff over the years and then we did a run of it in San Diego in the fall of 2019 and so I've managed to figure out how to make her, my version of it. Um, and, and just stop worrying about comparisons. Cause what am I, how can I control that? But, and also understanding that the scope of work is different is that I think what she is so masterful at is that in, in a look, she can tell you volumes. And my job is to sing those volumes in songs. And so it's just a different job. And so I'm going to do my job. That's in the, the, the script and score that I have, which is different than the screenplay she had.
0: I love that insight. Love that kind of picture there of what it is to be on stage in comparison to the screen. Um, 2019, you have the workshop and then that little pandemic happens. Uh, how how great of a reunion was that when you all got to get back into the room again, whenever you all started back up?
1: Yeah, it was heaven. We actually did a, a month long workshop in March before we came back for rehearsals in August. Um, it was, it was like, I, I really, I kept telling people, I feel like I am a, a I was a, a goldfish flopping around on a counter for two and a half years. And then somebody put me back in my bowl. And I just remembered, oh, this is how I swim. This is who I am because, um, uh, all day long, every day with Two children is too much time with two children, and um, I always knew I wasn't meant to be a stay at home mom, I was meant to be a working mom. But if we needed scientific evidence, we got it. Um, I, I was not at my finest, and um, my husband is so glad I'm back to work because I don't think I was super pleasant to be around towards the end of that. Um, uh, but yeah, no, everyone was so excited. I mean, we really, it, it's a testament to how much everybody loves doing the show and what a family we are on stage that only two people took other jobs in the interim between our San Diego run and the Broadway run and everybody else is the same cast. And um, that's cause it's such a good show. And cause we love the show so much and we love each other so much that nobody was willing to take another gig. Yeah.
0: Wow. You all, you're like a high school or college family, as far as like, you know, a four year window, you all not quite yet, but 2019 until now it's, and the pandemic. Yeah. But nonetheless, like that's a long time for one tight knit group to be together.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's funny because um, it, we when we started rehearsals in August, we have had a cast text stream since the fall of 2019. And so I've just I've never gone into rehearsals for a Broadway show with three years worth of a tech stream history with the cast already you know um we just yeah we just had so much history with each other and and, um there is just a level of trust that you have then on stage with each other trust and love and support um that just comes so easily because of that history okay
0: so history let's go to your career your amazing career besides your talent this being a a fitness podcast i like to draw insight of like motivation, work ethic, uh, habitual things that can enhance a person's life. So this isn't a fitness related question, but nonetheless, it all parallels. Besides you being talented, what have been a couple of pillars along the way in your career that allows you to keep coming back to these shows, uh, to keep booking, to keep being consistent?
1: Um, Huh, that's interesting. I suppose, so you're speaking really to the, to the mental of it all. Yeah. Um, how yeah, you keep I,
0: letting I, the work work and, and how, how you implement that work on a daily or weekly basis, whether you're in a show or not in a show.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure this is going to answer your question, but I think it might. As I was funny, the, our, the cellist in our show, Mary, came up and just to chat with me before the show yesterday. And I was talking with her about my belief that, um, you know, I was saying how like how lucky I am to be doing the show and how I won the lottery. And she said, well, you work really hard. And I said, yeah, no, that's true. But I, I when I say I won the lottery, I don't mean I was just a lucky human. I mean that winning the lottery in, in this business means you're dealt a hand of cards so that you can succeed in this business. And only one of them is talent. And only one of them is like being, up for the right part at the right time in your career. Um, The others are a, a strong work ethic, an ability to be on your gig and reliable, a, a person who can work well with others. Like there's just so many factors, the, the ability to be Zen about the rejection and the unpredictability of it all. Those are all cards you need to have in your hand or you will not succeed in this business. Talent will only get you so far. Good looks will only get you so far. The things that people think like, you know, being discovered, whatever that means, all of that only gets you so far because what we do, every job is finite. So you're a freelancer, right? So you're always, always hustling for work. You're always looking for the next gig. And if you are not someone who is delightful to work with, you will not continue to get rehired. Doesn't matter how talented you are. People don't wanna work with people who, it's not like a film shoot where you're together for two or three months and then you're gone. Every day, almost every day, six days a week, eight shows a week, we all have to be together to make this thing happen. And it doesn't matter who you are on stage, off stage, front of house, box office. You know, it's if you're not great to work with, it's it just it contaminates the experience. So people like that just don't keep getting rehired.
0: Perfect. Yep. That's that, was, that was it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Nailed it. That's the yes, everyone listening. Go ahead and rewind that two, three minutes and listen to that five or 10 times over again. So thanks for that, Nika. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Um, Speaking of just like people that are a delightful uh, delight to work with, or just maybe shows running through your your career, what are some fond memories or people that that you've run across that you just like to revisit in your mind?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, so the last show I did pre-pandemic before I started making babies I actually made one of my babies doing during the show, not literally during the show. That's weird. Um, but um I met my husband doing beautiful um and um the Carol King musical. And um, I was pregnant for six months on stage during that show, which was an extraordinary experience. Wow. Um, I remember actually feeling for the first time on stage, feeling my son move, look, just looking at Jesse Mueller in a scene with her um, and just how magical that was, that nobody else in the building knew that was happening, but I was feeling that. It was it makes me a little teary thinking about it. But um, Jesse Mueller and Jared Spector, who are my two sort of main compadres on stage and off stage in that show, are um, just so exemplary of being unbelievably talented people who are always present, always giving 100%, always professional and always fun. Um, And just the nicest people, the most grounded people. They they, they to me are sort of, yes, the examples of what it is to be a, a Broadway actor is somebody who's so good at what they do and also so great to work with. Um, I miss them. We have, we have our own little tech stream going and sometimes we just, we check in with each other every once in a while or get coffee every once in a while. Cause we miss each other.
0: Nice. Thanks for sharing that memory about being on stage and, and feeling your child move for the first time that had to have been just. Oh my goodness. Uh, at that point. How do you, how do you, I don't know you, did you have an issue moving forward in the show? Like as far as staying uh present, because that was such an exciting moment, probably <laughs> that was while it was happening.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't remember that being a part of it. We're so we're so trained to. I mean, there's always distractions, right? Like the audience. Like every once in a while, somebody will make noise or the freaking rappers oh, for the their
0: rappers. Candy. Oh, I was just in London. <laughs> And the the rappers in London seem to be worse than on Broadway for some reason, but but still, nonetheless, like rappers or or people being annoying and awful audience members. This is
1: this is, this is yeah, we can see your phones. We can they light up. You light up. You're bothering your neighbors. You're bothering us. We can see it. If your ears can hear it, the people around you ears can hear it. We can hear it. Just stop it.
0: Just but stop it. These are these are normal things that always happen in the theater. Uh, your child moving within you though for the first time that's that's crazy that's so special so i guess i don't know you just you're a true professional just doing your job up there Contin- oh,
1: thanks. No, it's just there's so many years of of the training of that of just the show must right, go on right, right? like you can't just
0: i guess you can't stop the show and say hey everyone could you all congratulate me my baby i'm feeling my baby move for the first time <laughs>
1: I mean I could have I could have I think stage management would have talked to me about maybe, it. Maybe. maybe as an audience member I, was- I
0: love that kind of stuff. I want to I want Can to I see never- the one in a million show that something different happens that that usually don't. Yeah. Um yeah. when did you decide that you wanted to do this thing? So rewinding early it before your career when when was Anika like I'm going to make this I'm going to get paid money to perform. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't think Anika ever really, Anika still has a hard time believing she's getting paid money to do this, That this thing that that I love and wanted to do since I was little. Um, I have nine brothers and sisters and um, six of them are adopted from different races and countries. So we were this rainbow colored family. And I was, here's a fun thing. So I was born in 1973, which is when the show is, takes place. This is actually even crazier. So I was born in 19, December of 1973. The show takes place in 73, which is fun because the first song is in 1973, and it feels like they're singing Happy Birthday to me every night. Um, their sweatshirts have little 1973 on the shoulder on their shoulder, and I'm like, Oh my god, that's so nice of you guys that you, you know, that you made a sweatshirt that has my birth year on it. Thanks. Um, but um, wait, what were we talking about? I'm distracted we're, now. I'm
0: sorry to move the screen on you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I this it. was a particular uh i was like oh i really like this part of the interview let me zoom in here on anika
1: we oh sweet i want to i want to remain super compelling and no no we were through. just
0: we were talking about uh when you decided that you're going to get paid oh. to do this and you're like well actually i didn't decide and i had uh, nine brothers and yeah, sisters one of
1: ten and, yeah yes one of ten kids so um uh i um uh, when, when you, so 1973. You, let's just right, rewind
0: so- and you, you sing the line again, like, go ahead and just do, no, I'm just kidding. Just. <laughs> in
1: 1973, I was born. Oh. And so I grew up in the seventies. And so, you know, uh, interracial, interracial, multiracial adoptive families are unusual now, but they were even more unusual back then. And so we were like, mildly famous in my town. Like everybody knew who the Larson's were. I grew up outside of Boston. So actually everybody knew who the Larson's were. I was one of the Larson's and everywhere I went, people were like, hey, you're a Larson. You're one of the Larson's, right? And I was desperate for people to know I was Anika. Please learn my name. Nobody learns it when there's 10 kids. No one learns your name. It's too hard. I totally get it. But it just, so when I realized that people would pay attention to me if I sang, and that really mostly started um, at my parents' Christmas parties every year, my mom thought we were the multicultural Von Trapp family and she made us all sing. And most of my siblings were not happy about that. So they were in the group numbers, the duets or trios, but I always had a big fat solo. And that was more exciting to me than Christmas presents. And I would start talking to my mom in like September, or October, like what's my number gonna be this year, mom. <laughs> and um, it was a hundred of my parents' friends Friends crammed into our living room, clapping for me and telling me after I was great. Um, and so that's like the first taste of that I ever had. And I've been chasing it ever since. And um, I was obsessed with Annie and obsessed with musicals. And my dad is the only person in my family who likes theater and sees it when I'm, they, everybody else only sees it when I'm in it, cause they have to. But he subscribes to the theater in our town. And um, so he told me, if there's a musical that's touring through Boston that you want to see, I'll take you. And not only was that huge for fostering my love of musical theater, but when there's 10 kids, um, one-on-one time with your dad is hard to come by. And we would ride the T, which is the subway in Boston. We'd ride the T into Boston together. And um, we'd go see shows and then write it back, just all the way talking about the show and excited about the show. And it's really some of the fondest memories I have from my childhood. And so he just so encouraged my love of it. And then I got to high school and was super intimidated by the drama kids because I knew I could sing, but I didn't think I could act. And so I was really intimidated and I chickened out my freshman year and I didn't audition for anything. And then my dad said, just take drama class. You'll start to learn how to do it. And then it'll be less scary and you'll get to know the director. and So I did, and then became one of the drama kids I was intimidated by. And then by the end of high school, I knew I wanted to go to a college that had a good theater program. And we didn't have the internet back then, so I couldn't Google who those were. Um, So I had heard Yale had a good drama program. I didn't know it was the grad school program, but they also had a a good um, undergrad program. So I I applied there early. It was the only place I applied. Um, And thankfully got in, because I didn't have a plan B. And I um, studied theater there. And then it wasn't until Yale when I finally took like an actual acting class that I realized, oh, there's tools, there's strategies to help you get better at this. It's not just like some people are good actors and some people aren't, and that's it for your life. Is I, I realized that the feeling that I was having on stage whenever I did plays of like insecurity about it was I think I have a good barometer for when I'm being honest. and but But I didn't know what to do when I wasn't being honest. I didn't know how to, fix that. So, um, acting class in in college really, really gave me the courage. And I just thought the worst thing in life is regret. I just don't want to wonder what if I had tried, what if I had pursued my dreams? I just don't want to spend the rest of my life wondering. So somehow gave me the courage to go to New York and try. Um, and yeah, so I just moved there and started auditioning and yeah, I don't know, by little slowly, but surely it didn't happen. Boom. All at once. It was, it's been a hustle for 25 years. Yeah. I think
0: if we were to Highlight some pillars on what makes Anika Larson uh, successful. One of them, you said, I still can't believe that I get paid to do this. So you still have an appreciation, a freshness, a uh, understanding that what you do for a living is not just normal. You know that you get to you get to do this very special special thing. And the other is is that awesome viewpoint that you have about regret. And I always like to say like, you get, you get one life, you get one life, you know, and, and to hold back because of some random person's opinion that means shit means nothing or uh, fear of, of failure or whatever. It's, it's just not worth it. So hopefully everyone listening again, go back about two, three minutes and listen to that five, 10 times over again.
1: <laughs> well, I, um, I like what you say, and especially because this is a, um, uh, a- a podcast about fitness um i think that um it's it's really important to remember that if you take care of your body if you make smart choices when i talk to the to the young people i always say like being born when you're born living in a western country with modern medicine if you make smart choices and take care of yourself and don't do drugs and don't do anything stupid like vaping because i like to remind them that Vaping is just about the dumbest thing a human can do. Um, and um, but if you make great choices and you and you and you eat right and you drink your water and you get your sleep and you do your exercise, there's just no reason to think you're not going to live till triple digits. And that's a lot of decades to fill with work. And so why not? You could. You know, it used to be in medieval times people lived till they were 40. So they were blacksmith because their father was a blacksmith, and that was the end of that. Now you could spend 20 years doing something and still spend two more sets of 20 years doing something because you're going to live so long. Um, And so why not? Why not try? Also, I think... You know, how many people in New York City came, like when they were eight, like me, I dreamed of being on stage. How many people were like, I'm gonna be a manager when I grow up. I'm gonna do press for Broadway when I grow up. Not a lot of them, but I think a lot of people come to New York thinking they're gonna be in this side of theater. And then actually they're they're riding the river and the river takes them a different direction than they thought they were gonna go. There are hundreds of thousands of people who in some way make theater in New York City happen, who aren't on the stage. And they are just as important they are just as much a part of this village of theater people um, as as anyone. And um, so if you wanna be in it, you can be in it. Um, and um, and also life might, you, you might think that you wanna be on stage and then just realize, I don't have the constitution for this. I don't like this life. I wanna do this mm-hmm. part of theater. Yeah. And that's really true really for anything. It's not just for theater. That's for everything. It's just pursue what you think you want and then who knows where life might take you.
0: Yeah, you you never know. I'm I'm kind of the walking proof of what you just said. My my break from acting is uh maybe like over 8 years now that I was like I'm just going to take a break. <laughs> and, and the break has been 8 years and, and I look back to I look at where I am now and then I look back and I'm like, "Wow, all those things that happened to me" growing up and into my early uh, adult life led to this moment of where I'm at. So you just have to be looking for the open doors and be willing to run through them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. indeed, Um, Anika for now, I mean, I feel like I should have like a part two through 10 with you and just keep keep inviting you back on the podcast. But the amount of times that I have said already and wanted to tell the listeners to rewind and listen to these moments again and again, uh, is becoming infinite. So I really appreciate your time carving that out on a Friday. I hope you have a fabulous night. Um, I'm assuming you have a show this evening, so I hope you have a, a great a great yeah. performance. Everyone, if you're in the New York City area, make sure you go see Anika in Almost Famous. Um, I'm sure she, has, she is as lovely on stage as she has, is in this interview. So thanks so much, Anika.
1: You got it. Thank
0: you. All right, everyone. Anika Larson from Almost Famous. Wow, you know, you never know what you're walking into as a host sometimes when you haven't met these people before, and I'm just, yeah, that, that made my day. That was awesome to speak with Anika. So, uh, again, Almost Famous, go see Anika Larson and the rest of the cast on Broadway. I'm Joe Roscoe with Bill for the Stage. Actors are athletes. Train like one. Later.